Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Open up your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16, if you would, our next hard saying, and this is one that I will tell you is very interesting when you try and apply it, Uh, the crafty Christian. That kind of almost sounds like, wow, that's a little carnal, Pastor Jeff, you know, what's going on there? And so Jesus now is speaking, this particular event began back in chapter 14 of Luke's gospel. He's at a Pharisee's house, he's having dinner, and so he tells the parable of what we would normally phrase this, the unjust steward. And so you probably received, when you came in, should have received the elements of communion They are indicative, and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end of this service, they are indicative of what should matter to every believer. And that is eternal things, the cross of Christ, the things that are going to last indefinitely, not the things of this earth. I don't care how many TVs you buy at Costco, you're going to buy another one in a few years. Because they're going to, pretty soon, we're all just going to, we aren't going to have to paint our homes anymore. We'll just have TVs on every wall. We have become a society that is so attached to material things that there's never been a point in time where this particular passage is more important. We need to refocus our thoughts, our hearts, on what truly matters. And so as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, I would ask that you would open your heart to see what the Spirit would speak to you today and make sure you're not one of these people that get into that place to where what matters most to you are the things of this world, the things of this life, the stuff that you can purchase and buy and own. Because Jesus makes it very clear here that you can only have one master, one Lord. And that should be him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray now, Spirit, come. Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is here speaking to people, massaging our hearts, correcting our thinking, loving on us, and encouraging us in truth. And so we pray that you would open our hearts to hear what the Spirit would speak to your church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. We'll take the first 14 verses here of Luke chapter 16. And he said also to his disciples, now remember there's a mix here, there's disciples and there's Jewish religious leadership. So you can kind of look at this like this is a really mixed bag of people. There are people who are hearing this really from a religious perspective, and those that are hearing it from a believer's perspective. And he tells a story, a parable. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And I want you to circle or underline or highlight, whichever you prefer, 
the word steward or stewardship in this passage. Because whether you see it or whether you understand it or not, whether you like to acknowledge it or not, every single one of you who sits here this morning, those of you watching online, those who will hear this later, you actually own absolutely nothing while you're here on this earth. Your house belongs to Jesus. Your cars belong to Jesus. Your bank account belongs to Jesus. The food in your pantry belongs to Jesus. Without him, you can do nothing. And everything that you actually have in your possession really is not yours. It's his. He's made you a steward over it. Amen? You are stewards. You're not owners. We think we're owners. We think we have worked for all these things that we have. And the reason that we have them is because we've worked hard. And while in a practical sense, you've no doubt gone to work and provided for your families and all those kinds of things in a general sense, but the fact of the matter is, you are a steward of the master's things. They're still his. So listen in to what Jesus says. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Very clear to see that now, the certain rich man would be God, and his goods would be what the man thought was his, but he was actually a steward over. And so he called to him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of, here it is again, your stewardship. For you can no longer, here it is again, be steward. For then the steward said to himself, what shall I do for my master is taking my stewardship away from me? I cannot dig. In other words, I don't do manual labor. I don't, I'm in management. (laughs) Upper level management. And I'm ashamed to beg. It's beneath my position. And I've resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. And so he called every one of his master's debtors. Notice who they're actually in debt to. Are they in debt to this man? They are not. They're in debt only to the master. Again, stewardship is the principle The master is the focus. And said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down, and write, sale, 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 50. Write down 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. So you got a 50% discount, a 20% discount. And so the master commended. Now here it is. This is where it gets really tough to apply. Commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. The interesting thing here is, what is Jesus actually saying? Is this a commendation that is good Or is this a a commendation that's, wow, that dude's sharp in a really bad way. 
For the sons, and here it is, of this world are more shrewd in, and underline it, circle it, their generation than the sons of light. I don't know that there's ever been a people or a country, a nation, that's more obsessed with the accumulation of stuff and things, money, than our own. And I say this not to shame anyone, simply to acknowledge the fact that we have become addicted to stuff. For those of you that love the Veggie Tales, the Stuffed Mart, the, the Stuff Mart, the let's go buy this and let's go buy that. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with husbands and wives. Well, we're broke. Why are you broke? Well, you know, we kind of bought this and bought that and bought this and bought that and loaned money for this and then got money for that. And you ask them, well, you know, how, are you guys okay? For, yeah, we make $285,000 a year, but we're broke. That is a failure in stewardship as a believer. That is, you're not seeing whose things those actually are. We need to be careful because we can fall into the world's trap. Now, let's be very clear, being business savvy is actually not a bad thing. Having money, being wise with it, absolutely not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Having possessions, also not a bad thing. As Paul wrote to Timothy, instructing his young understudy about this very issue there in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, he gives us the understanding we need to have. It is the love of money. It's the love of money. It's placing agape in money. It's having your God focus towards things that you can possess or buy or earn. The love of money is the root of all kinds of of evil things. And for that love of money, many have pierced themselves through with countless or innumerable sorrows. Notice how Paul addresses that. Didn't it all say money's bad? He said worshiping money, the very same thing that Jesus is getting at in this passage. The accumulation of things can drive you to the place that you love the things more than you love God. You love your bank account more than you love God. And so Jesus is speaking to a very specific issue here. The value of everything is based on to whom it actually belongs. You see, you can have all kinds of things and use them for the king's glory. Amen? That means they still belong to Jesus. Whatever you have is still his. You treat it as though you are as you're supposed to be, a steward. It's like, Lord, whatever you want to do with this stuff, it's yours. You want to bless somebody else with it? That car's yours. The house is yours. Those funds in the bank are yours, whatever you want to do. And when we 
treat God's things that way, there is never a lack in our lives. Because God knows that he can entrust things to you, he will give you, as we'll see, more because you've proven yourself to be a good steward. But when you are a shrewd steward, not a good steward, sometimes God says, I need to teach you a lesson about to whom those things actually belong. And you can have a whole lot of stuff and have nothing that matters. You can end up serving the money instead of the money serving the Lord. Very difficult study for us to really try and wrap our heads around at times. He turns his attention really to the disciples here. And so as I said, are are these things necessarily bad, inherently bad? Is it always bad to, to be crafty or to be shrewd or to think through things, to be clever? Well, we just had a video that was kind of clever, amen? Why? Because we have an opportunity to use those things for the glory of the Lord. Not for the glory of people, for the glory of the Lord. So that he would be glorified, so that we can do more missions, so that we can clear out a space that currently is occupied by a whole bunch of things that would be better in your home than in the bookstore. So it's not bad to be shrewd. It's not bad to be crafty. It depends on what you're doing it for. What is your motivation and what is your purpose? And when we think of money, when we think of how to acquire funds, those types of things, we must maintain an eternal perspective. Am I doing this because I want to glorify God in a greater way, or am I doing this because I want to glorify myself in a greater way? Would I like to ingratiate myself to others? Notice what this man is trying to do. He wants to ingratiate himself to other people so that those other people will be indebted to him. That is self-focused. That is not focused towards the Lord. That is this man saying, if I give them a discount, I'm actually taking my master's money and I'm using it so I look good. You don't want to take Jesus' things so that you look good. It's a very, very, very unwise thing to do. It does not work out well. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. It belongs to God. I have to have a God focus. Otherwise, I become attached to the things of this world. And before you know it, I don't serve God with a whole heart. God gets a little remnant of my time. God gets a little remnant of my bank account. God gets a little remnant of this or a remnant of that. He is not first and foremost. He is a secondary thought in your life. But the place it begins is with money. I can tell you where people are with the Lord by how they use their money. Almost 100% of the time. A person who is truly generous and sees the things of the Lord the way that they need to see them is easy to spot. Because they really couldn't care less about the things, they care about eternal things. Their focus is the eternal, it's not the temporal. They may have wonderful 
temporal things. Things that are glorious and wonderful. Look, let me be very clear. I hope everyone in this room, I pray everyone in this room, is such a great steward that God entrusts to you a wonderful, big, huge home. That God entrusts to you a bank full of money. That God entrusts to you very nice cars. That God gives you every single desire you have that's in your heart, and he will if your heart's right. But if your heart's not right, why would he entrust you with the stewardship of wonderful things if you're going to use them for you? It's that simple, folks. Some of you, that's going to be a challenge today. For some of you, you know that it's true, and you can say amen. Amen? Amen? I can say amen. Because I've watched God do with little much. And I've seen God take much and do extraordinary things. The issue is stewardship. Is it still his, and can he trust you with it? And when he can trust you with it, get ready, because it's a wild ride. It's amazing what God will do. Pastor Chet, I've been talking, and we're like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to build a hospital? Seriously. Start thinking from God's perspective. What does God want to do? In order for God to do those things, now he could miraculously just cause a hospital to pop up, but how is he most likely going to do that? He's going to cause people to gather together. He's going to entrust them with great stewardship. They are going to be good stewards. They're going to return those funds to where God can use them for that purpose, and then the hospital is going to get built. That's how it's going to happen. That's how hungry people get fed. That's how women and children in Ukraine get taken care of, is because we are stewards of the resources of God. It's not because, well, you know, I don't know if I give that. I wouldn't, you know, I don't... I'm sorry if I'm tweaking your head right now, but it's like we've got to get over this reliance on stuff. And I'm going to give you a couple of points at the end of this morning before we take communion to remind you of the danger. Jesus just dismisses the notion that this man, you know, is on the right track. He says, your problem is you have a God that is not me. His name is Mammon. And to that end, we have to get these money matters very correct in our own heart, in our own mind. We have to be clear. We have to be concise. You see, we have to take into account the world to come. You know when you get to heaven, you're going to be judged for every idle word you ever spoke while you were here? Do you not think that the Lord will also watch and see what happened in heaven because you were here on earth? You're going to give an account for that, church. You're going to show up in heaven and there's going to be all these people that came to faith in Christ because you were faithful with the Lord's things. Or there's going to be nobody there that you even know or had an effect on. Those are two extremes, by the way. Many of us land between those two places But the fact of the matter is, heaven should be populated with people that you purposed in your heart to bless so that they could see the goodness of God. Amen? 
your stuff gets used for the glory of God that way. If you don't see it that way, then you're going to get to heaven. You're going to be kind of, well, how come, you know, that person over there is like 10,000 people in their neighborhood all saying, thank you, Jesus, for you. And it won't be that the glory goes to that person, but that person would have given glory to God through the way that they were stewards of the things of the Lord so that those people heard the gospel. So that those people had their needs met. So that those people had medical care. So that those people got the hospital that they needed in that place in Liberia. We are stewards. We need to have heavenly vision for the things that are ahead. Pick up with me in verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves among unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, check this out. Basically saying, you go for it. Go, big guy. Whoop it up. Come on now. You go make yourself some friends of the world. See what happens. That when you fail, because you will, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Whoops. You understand what Jesus is saying here? Your unrighteous mammon, your attachment to the things of the world, will not provide for you an eternal home. You ain't taking it with you. Maybe you don't like that word. You will not be able to take the stuff that you accumulated here into the glories of heaven because they'll have no place there unless they're eternal things. They're heavenly things. Only heavenly things go to heaven. Earthly things stay here and burn. And so Jesus says to him, you go for it. He who is faithful in what is least, here it is, underline this principle, in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. In other words, if God can't trust you with little things, why would he entrust you with big things? Because his focus is not here, it's there. And so everything he gives us stewardship over is entrusted to us because he is concerned about heaven. How do we know that? Therefore, if you've not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, Mammon is an interesting word. It, it literally could mean the sum and total, the collective value of everything that's in your stewardship. It's stuff. It's things. It would include all of your money and stocks and bonds and homes and cars and everything else. Just stuff in general. If you're not faithful with that, who will commit into your trust true riches? Question for you. What do you think the true riches are? It's people. It's the eternal destiny of other human beings. If you can't be faithful with stuff, why would God entrust to you the heart and the soul? of someone who's going to live forever in one of two places. 
You see what Jesus is getting at here? He's saying we need to be focused. We need to be purposed. We need to have in right view this issue. The statement gives us a real picture. If you've not been faithful with what is another man's, God's, who will give you what is your own? Why would he give you things for you to use as you see fit if you haven't taken care of the things he's given you that are his, which is everything? No servant, here it is, you should all have this verse underlined in your Bible, circled and highlighted. No servant, not one, not any, because we are all servants, can have two masters. For either he will hate the one, there it is, and love the other, it's either God or mammon. It's God or mammon. It's God or mammon. It's God or mammon. It's not both. It's God or mammon. You can only have one God. There's only room for one CEO at the top of your corporation called You Inc. That's it. You Inc. is a corporation. And you aren't the major shareholder in it. He is. And he's the president of You Inc. He tells you what to do. All the stock shares are actually his. Can't have two masters. Hate one, love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, here it is, God and mammon. This is the largest issue that I think a lot of Americans face. It's an issue of money itself. It's the issue of money management itself. It's the issue of what is right from God's perspective and what we feel we're entitled to. Now look, I'm not dismissing everyone's labor, okay? And the Bible doesn't do that either. Matter of fact, the Bible applauds working with your hands. The Bible applauds good stewardship. The Bible says clearly that he rewards those who put their hand to the plow and don't look back, that God does those things. He is good to those who work hard and are industrious. But the issue becomes, and the greater issue will always be, when God gives you those things, whose are they? Are they his? Or do you seize them for yourself? I've talked to a lot of Christians. Well, you know, I tithe. That's wonderful. It's great. It's a biblical command, by the way. It's fantastic. I'm happy for you, and you should. But the other 90% is also God's. The other 90% is also God's, amen? See, see, we kind of forget that. It's like, oh, I did my duty. It was like, yeah, I gave 11 and a quarter percent. Looked at my taxes, like, yeah, check that out. Woo! But what God is actually saying is, that's wonderful, that's great. You haven't robbed me, but have you been generous? Have you been cheerful? Have you said, God, I want to see you do miracles. I'm going to give this stuff away, and I'm going to watch what you do. Amen? 
I'm not preaching a money sermon. I'm telling you what the Bible clearly says. You may not like it. I may be offending some of you right now. I don't care. Just telling you how it is. What the Bible says. When we treat God's things this way, He does amazing things that will boggle your mind. You can't outgive God. It's not possible. It's not possible. You have to be faithful with what belongs to Him. That's your time. That is your talents. That is your treasure. Those three T's, remember them well. If you put them together, it's pretty much everything. Who you are, what you are, what you do, what you have. It's all his. You just get to borrow it for a while. It's like our children. Most Christian parents understand very clearly, our children are actually God's kids. We get to borrow them for a while. Amen? I don't know why we get that and we don't get that everything else is also his. It's like, well, you can have my kids. It's like, 18, out. It's like, you're gods, man. It's like, we're not quite so free with our money, amen? It's like, well, you know, it's like, well, you know, I need this or I need that. There's a powerful principle in this passage. And there are two things that really I want you to see. Money, possessions, literally everything in your life. If you start with, this is God's, it's going to prevent two things in your life. It's going to prevent the pride of ownership. Because that's pride. It's like, no, that's mine. No, it's actually not. It's God's. And if God didn't put breath in your lungs, you would have absolutely nothing. Because dead people don't earn much. Right? Simplify it. Dead people don't earn much. What were you before you came to faith in Christ? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. He hath made you alive. He hath made you alive for a purpose. Amen? Think about it for a second. He made you alive for a purpose. What is that purpose? It's eternal. It's not temporal. It's eternal. And because he made you alive... When you realize everything is still his, it prevents you from saying, this is mine. (laughs) You ever watch little children? Sometimes God looks at the whole world and he's going, man, they're just like a bunch of little spoiled brats. Look what they're doing. This is mine. The other thing that it will prevent is independence. In other words, in a positive way, it will guarantee you a freedom of dependence on God. You will always depend on the Lord, no matter how much you have. You need to depend on God, because let me tell you something. Cancer plays no favorites. Okay, You can have everything today and have nothing tomorrow. You can have nothing today and have everything tomorrow. Tomorrow's not even promised to anyone. And so when we start focusing on today, we miss the whole picture. I might be in heaven tomorrow. 
I need to remember that with my stuff. Because God sees me as in Christ and therefore already there. So from his perspective, he already gave me eternal life. The question is, what am I doing with my eternal life right now? Amen? What am I doing right now with my eternal life? Not what am I waiting for to do with my eternal life when I get to heaven, because I can't affect people who don't know the Lord with my eternal life when I'm already there. I can do that now. Amen? So we need to see this the way Jesus is preaching it to us. This is for us. Too many people that call themselves believers in Christ are just as workaholic as the world. They're doing it because they think they need some other stuff. They're not doing it because they want his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Everything we do is based on, Lord, your will, not mine. What Jesus said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does Jesus want as far as heaven's concerned? He is unwilling that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. In other words, no one would be lost. There wouldn't be any lost sheep left, no lost coins left. We would be so in love with the Lord that everything we have would be put towards blessing God so that he can bless others. Amen? Powerful principle for the management of everything in our lives. It's a matter of mastery. It's a matter of who's your daddy. No servant can serve two masters. It's what Jesus plainly says. It's either money or him. Mammon or him. Stuff or him. Material or spiritual is even a better way to look at it. Is your master material? Or is your master spiritual? I pray it's spiritual. And I believe for many of you, but that's true. And praise God for the amount of grace that he sheds on his children in our weakness. Amen? Amen? I thank God for that. Look, I was in business. I, I'm a millionaire before I was 30 years old. So I get it. I get the understanding of, well, you know, I just got to keep doing this. I got to put in my 80 hours this week. I get it. I live there. So no judgment from Pastor Jeff. But judgment does begin in the house of the Lord. We need to reevaluate these things in the here and now. That was then. Today is today. Amen? Look at what God is really trying to get across here. There's only room at the top for one CEO. Mine is Jesus. Okay? Just tell you who mine is. Not always been in my life. Let me be transparent. Not always been in my life. There was a time when Jeff was at the top. It didn't go well. Jeff did a lousy job. And finally, God did exactly what he said he'd do in this passage. He said, okay, that stuff's not mine. I'm going to take it from you. I'll give it to somebody else who will be a good steward of it. Here's the good part. He gave it back. <laughs> he did. He's that good. Job. 
tenfold. In things that matter, too, by the way. Church. Because I want what's best for you. Let me make sure that you understand what is going on here. Look at verse 14. And now the Pharisees, and now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things. Speaking to his disciples, the disciples heard it. I believe they likely got it. People who didn't know the Lord personally heard the exact same words and they derided him. Very interesting words, only used twice in the entire Bible. You want to guess where the other time it's used is? Pastor Chet taught on it last week. It's at the cross. The Pharisees were so in love with money that they said, that is nonsense. And they mocked Jesus' words the same way they mocked him on the cross. If you're the son of God, bring yourself down from there. That's how attached to stuff the world is. Oh, you've you got to be crazy. Me do that for the Lord? I'm not doing that for the Lord. I'm doing that for me. And so the world laughs at these principles because they do not understand where the road goes. There are two roads. Broad, wide is the one that leads to destruction. And narrow is the one that leads to righteousness. And few there are that find it. Church, these money principles are only understood by people who understand the value of eternal things. If you have your focus on the world, then you're going to scoff at this. You're going to deride these words. (laughs) Not me. My stuff. The Lord has ways to speak to you. But if you understand them, get ready. Because God is a blessing God. Jabez understood that. Lord, bless me indeed. And then all that he did, God blessed him. If you want to be blessed then keep a light hand on the stuff that's in your stewardship. If you want to be stressed, then you just cling to that. Put a death grip on it. Just like grab you. You know, you watch like, you ever watch kids break open a pinata? It's a study in human nature, isn't it? Don't be the pinata kid. Doesn't work out well for you. No amount of money is ever going to replace Jesus. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back out, or Lauren and Oscar. You have with you, if you haven't received them, if you need the elements of communion, would you just simply slip your hand up? We'll have the ushers come and get those to you.
Let's celebrate the real gift. This represents the most valuable thing in all of eternity. Because this paves the way for you to spend eternity with Jesus. To be in the presence of God forever. Jesus actually said and gave the reason that he wanted us to celebrate at the Lord's table. Do you remember what it is? Pastor Chet just taught on this a little over a week ago. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said we're celebrating at the Lord's table to remember him. Not to remember how big our house is. Not to remember how much money we have in the bank. Not to remember the latest and greatest things that we possessed or bought. But to remember that because of his broken body and his shed blood, that we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. Why is that important? Because no one can serve two masters. You'd take out the bread. Jesus, when he sat with the disciples, he took the bread. And when he had broken it, he said, I want you to take and to eat, for this is my body, broken, so that you can go to heaven. So that you don't have to be beaten yourself. I'll take the beating that should have been your beating so that you can have the glories of heaven. Do this as often as you eat of it in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus. You can imagine the look on their face. Remember, this is the night he was betrayed. Judas is still sitting at the table. And after supper, he takes the third cup, the cup of praise. There's nothing more praiseworthy in all of the heavens than the blood of Jesus. It's not money. Not houses and cars and careers. It isn't intellect. It's not powerful people in powerful places. It's not the praise of men. The most valuable thing in all of the heavens is the precious blood of Christ. It's Him. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the cup after supper and said to the disciples, and I'm paraphrasing, if you guys want to know what's valuable, it's my blood. Spilled for the remission of your sin. Because James... 
can't do that for yourself. Peter, your boldness can't buy that. John, your love won't win it. Andrew, no matter how hard you work, you can't work hard enough to do what this can do. And he took the cup and he himself drank from it and said, as often as you drink from this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes because that's the most valuable thing in the world. That's the entrance requirement for heaven. His blood paying the price for your sin. Let's partake together. Would you stand? Lord Jesus, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, that's what matters. That's what counts. And that's what matters and that's what counts for everyone. And so, Lord, as you gave your life for us, so let us give our life and everything else for you. Lord, it's all yours to begin with. We recognize that without you, we can do nothing. But by you, through you, and for you, we can do all things as you strengthen us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. We ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.